Hello and welcome to Talking About Our Beautiful Savior, number 24. Ooh. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. And you are? Oh, I'm Kara Grove. Okay. Nice to meet you. I'm Pastor Alex Grove. Um, well, you got to do our little banter thing that we always do. Yeah. So here's the question for you. Okay. So the weather's getting nicer now. Spring training for baseball is oh, yeah. in full effect. Mm-hmm. Who is... <laughs> I was going to ask, I was going to ask, what's your favorite ballpark um, treat? And then as I was about to ask that, I thought it would be funny to ask you a very obscure baseball question, (laughs) a trivia question that you knew no answer that you couldn't possibly know. Well, I'll do both. Okay. Okay. So first of all, pretend you didn't hear this. Okay. Pretend we didn't talk about what we just talked about. So, Carrie, what would you say is the answer to the question, who's won the most games as a pitcher? In Major League Baseball history, oh, um, I would probably say um, Thomas Hardy. Thomas Hardy, the author, yeah, um, Bonfire of the Vanities. No, not him. Actually, it's Cy Young. Cy Young won. But no, what is your favorite baseball treat? Cotton candy. Cotton candy. Okay. How about you? Oh man, I should have thought of my own answer before I asked you. I do like. I I didn't (laughs) grow up liking hot dogs, but now, yeah, I really uh, enjoy a good hot dog at the ball game. That or I don't really like cotton candy. It's uh too sweet. So good. too sweet for this guy. All right, let's get into it. Um, our theme for this week we're still in the gr- our greatest needs worship series. The, the the theme for this Sunday is water for the thirsty, and you will see why. All right, our Sunday school lesson is David and Jonathan. So lesson on friendship. I think the lesson is called the faithful friend. So King Saul. Um. We in our lesson last week, King Saul played not a great role in the story of David and Goliath. Saul, a little cowardly, not standing up for God, a little derisive when it comes to talking about uh, David's ability to defeat Goliath, and then David defeats Goliath, and Saul gets very jealous of David. The people have this sort of um, phrase that they're using: you know, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his tens of thousands. So David is this young punk, and he's getting all this credibility from the people, uh, and it, it makes Saul jealous. Um, so Saul and David's relationship isn't great from the jump. And Saul's son, Jonathan, however, he and David become like brothers. They Which become super cool. Yeah, it's great. Jonathan could have been no Jonathan. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second, why, why it's interesting that Jonathan becomes friends with David. So it gets so bad with Saul and David uh, that... Saul eventually tries to kill David. He's so jealous and he's so upset that um, David is going to replace him as king that, yeah, he actually tries to, to kill David. And, and David uh, is overwhelmed, like you'd expect. I don't know how many times in your life a, a sitting king has tried to throw a throw spear at you and pin you to the wall. <laughs> I've just, I've just no times, zero times. So you just have this interesting scenario in which, so Jonathan's dad is trying to kill David, yeah. and David goes to his friend Jonathan Ooh. and just says, I don't know what to do with this, and, <laughs> and Jonathan is, is a good friend to him, despite his father being kind of out of his mind. Uh, Jonathan had hoped that the tension between David and his, his dad would pass, um, but it, it just it doesn't. So Jonathan was pretty sure that if his dad was going to kill David, he'd know about it. And yeah. David's like, no, man, you know, he knows that you and I are friends. If he's going to kill me, he's not going to tell you. He knows that you'll warn me. So 
just this very interesting dynamic in the relationship. You know, two friends, one's dad's trying to plot to kill the other one. They come up with this plan. Uh, there's going to be this religious celebration at the palace and David's not going to go. And Jonathan's going to let Saul know David's not going to be there. So if Saul's okay with it, they would work out some sign that, that David's safe. If Saul's upset and angry, they have the sign that David should, should get out of there. You should flee. And so second day of the festival, Saul noticed David's absence. How do you think he reacted? Reasonable? <laughs> Um, probably not reasonable. Was he mad and so probably thought something about how it was too good to be here at my party? He flew into a rage. And when Jonathan attempted to defend David, Saul hurled a spirit. Oh, that. Yeah. Now. So you got yeah. this guy that's just sort of randomly throwing spears. Well, not randomly, but just, I don't like the cut of that guy's jib. I'm going to chuck a spear at him across the but dinner table. Jealousy can do to us. Yeah. It's, you know, Saul's in a bad place. Jealousy is, is the root of it. Uh, so Jonathan leaves the table in anger and shame. Uh, the lesson ends with the, the next day, Jonathan goes, you know, they've got this whole plan. So Jonathan can alert David without David coming out of hiding. Jonathan is going to practice, you know, gives the appearance he's going to practice archery. And he sends the servant, when you know, he shoots the arrows beyond the target and sends the boy, you know, the servant boy to go get it. And this was supposed to be a sign to tell David, you got to go. It's not safe for you. My dad is is going to kill you, but David's hiding out in the, the woods and he can't bear to leave no. without a goodbye. So he comes out of hiding and the, the two of them have this wonderful moment as friend where, you know, there's, there's jealousy and murder and all this stuff going on around them, but their friendship is sort of a uh, safe haven against all of that. So there's this tearful goodbye and they promise friendship and kindness to each other and to each other's families. So just some of the things we, what do you, what do we take from this lesson? It's an interesting lesson. Well, I guess, I mean, there's a lot, but jealousy really can do a number on like our, you know, our, our heart. Anything else? Um, I mean, just, it's pretty awesome how we're with God's amazing love. We are able to love other people who are very, you know, they're associated with maybe someone who's caused us harm and hurt. Um, like it, you can, you can still love not only that individual, like as a friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Christian love loves when it doesn't make sense to love. Yeah. You alluded to that before the, it doesn't make sense that Jonathan and David would get along. Because, well, Jonathan should have been next in line for the throne and clearly David's going to be king instead of him. So the fact that Jonathan is mature enough and loving enough to say, I, I don't care that you were going to be king. I, I want to be your friend. That, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, maybe just a few other things. Love shows itself in actions that Jonathan's love showed itself by his, his willingness to even risk his life for David. And then uh, later on, when David was king, he remembered his promise to Jonathan and treated Jonathan's family kindly. So a good lesson on friendship and just a reminder to friendship's not about what's in it for you. And friendship's always, you know, if, it's, if, if it's love, it's about what you can do for what a, a person serve them. A reflection of what God has done for you. All right, let's look at our lessons. Romans 5 is our second lesson. Our first Ooh, lesson I didn't know. is water from the rock. Um, when... when People are complaining in, in Israel about not having water and 
God allows Moses to strike the rock and water comes forward. We, we covered that in Sunday school, the Sunday school lesson a few months ago. So we won't talk about that today. Uh, but Romans 5, the first eight verses is one of those sections from Romans that is just so full of beautiful concepts, like these wonderful, deep concepts, one after the other. It begins with Paul saying, since we've been justified through faith, courtroom term, not mm -hmm. guilty because of faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. So that that's a passage I've used in my ministry to help people that are really concerned that God couldn't love them or couldn't forgive them, that we must be at odds with each other. No, Romans 5 says very clearly, we have peace with God. And then it goes on to say that we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So I like that a picture of access, access to God, access to the state of grace in which we're now standing, which is, that's a helpful, well, okay, let's take the access first. Why do you like that picture of access to God and this, our state of grace? It's like a special privilege. Mm -hmm. Like there's this place where no one's allowed, not just anybody. The and, ropes, yeah, VIP area. Right. And we have access. And through faith, yeah, we have access to it. The door door swings open instead of being locked to us because of sin. And then that's that state of grace is important because we we want to think of we want to think of sin being kind of transactional. Like, okay, if I if I've recently sinned, now I must be out. Of, God must not love me anymore until that sin is handled. You know, if I if I do this bad thing, then oh no, what happens if I die right now because I'm I'm in the sin? And it's like, no, we're in a state of grace. Right. God has forgiven all of our sins. It's it's a, a state of being. And then Paul says we glory in our sufferings because it leads to perseverance and perseverance. It's a character and character hope, and that is so true. Never fun to experience that in the moment, but you know, time goes by and you can look back at your life and realize, yeah, man, those that point where I suffered, that led to the hope that I have now. And there's all these interesting steps in between the suffering and the hope. But God's not lying when he says he can use the worst things in our life to bring out the best things in us. Yep. Um, other thoughts there about perseverance and character? I mean, it just took me a long time to quite understand, like, uh, to really fully wrap my brain around that. Mm -hmm. um, and now, like, as an adult, um, I've seen, like, a lot of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand people's pain if I hadn't gone through some. Mm -hmm. And that's been really helpful with, you know, just encouraging others. Yeah. Reaching them with Christ. I think, you know, athletics is such an easy image to use for stuff like this um maybe we use it too much but it is so accessible this when you first start playing sport or doing like endurance training or whatever um or just you run run a long distance for the first time when you're a Same kid word. it's like this is stupid i don't <laughs> yeah why yeah why would i i remember running a mile in grade school and being like that is the last mile i've ever run in my life this is this is really dumb to be doing this <laughs> But you, you persevere. Yeah, you wake up the next day, your muscles are sore. You go back out, you do it again. Uh, just doing things that are hard, doing things you don't feel like doing and seeing results or good things that come from them. The Christian faith is is full of moments like that. And then, you know, it, it says that you know, suffering leads to hope. And then hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Spirit. So that idea of love being born yeah. into our, our hearts and really cool. is, is really, really good. Um, so God's, God is not stingy with his love, just a picture being poured into our, our hearts. I, I also thought of a picture of lemonade with lemons and like ice and like it's just slushing over the cup top. It's so delicious. 
I don't like lemonade. <laughs> While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how the verse eight is, ends the section. And that is one of my favorite verses. Um, I just shared that with someone I was talking to. I just, that it's so easy to believe there's no, again, there's no way God could love someone like me. But how do you, how does someone prove their love for you? That it's not when they love you while you're lovable. Right. It's not like you brought them a bouquet of flowers and like, oh, I love you. Like, that's nice to hear. It's gratitude. But someone proves their love for you when you're being a jerk. Yeah. And they love you in spite of who you are. Mm -hmm. Or they, they fix something in your life before you've even, you know, confessed to them or asked for their forgiveness. And they've just, they've handled that. That's what God did. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's. Uh, if we're ever in doubt of God's love, go to Good Friday and think of everything Jesus endured and say, okay, well, if someone would do that for me, they must truly love me. All right, our gospel is John 4. I think this is what I'm going to preach on, Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, John tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria, which yeah. is an interesting way to say that because like he definitely didn't have to go. I mean, it was the straightest route, but Jews would typically go around Samaria. Why? Why would they uh, well, take the long way around? They were not um, friendly with each other, the Samaritans. And so yeah. they, like, it was a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and there, I'm I'm assuming the paths and, like, the way to travel probably was a little rough. Or was that if they went around? Well, no, they would they would take the long way around, yeah. yeah. Because so they, they would avoid these people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus goes straight through Samaria. He had to. Uh, and just some of the, the background of why they didn't get along. I mean, it, it has to do with the Israelite be, Israelites being in exile and they're moved out of their land and Samaritans are brought in from other parts of the land. And, you know, they're, they're so they're distantly related to the Israelites in a way, but they've been settled in this area that isn't really theirs. And there's some misunderstandings between these groups over the years. The Samaritans at some points ask, can we be part of your group? And the Israelites are, they said, no, you can't. So this is this isn't a recent thing. This goes back hundreds of years. Why Samaritans and Jews don't get along? One of the things is we we notice this. Go through the section, I should say. So Jesus and his disciples are uh, traveling. It's hot. It's uh, you know, these terrible roads they probably had at the time, dusty roads. So the disciples go looking for some sort of refreshments. Jesus is sitting by this well, and he stops and talks to this woman. So we know Jesus is a breaker of norms. First of mm, all, yeah, they don't know each other, and he's talking to her. Two, he's a man, she's a woman, and it's just the two of them. You know, and that's you don't this do time that. you don't you don't do yeah. that. Um and then three, again, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. So there's three big reasons why he shouldn't start a conversation and he does. And she's a little like put off by the yeah. fact that he is talking to her. Like, what are you what are you doing? Um, so he asks her for a drink and she is kinda, you know. Pushes back a little bit. Says like, "Wait, you're talking to me, and you you want me to get you uh, a drink from the well?" Which uh, also, too, um, since she was uh, a Gentile, you know, would have Jesus would have been considered unclean to, to drink something that she interesting. She up I never really well. thought about that. I just thought about how like hard it was yeah. to get water, right? And, and yeah, in, in addition, yeah, yeah, just the the physical act of getting the water from the well would have been an exercise. Um, they have this conversation. She keeps thinking he's talking about literal water and he's talking about mercy in life. And it's it's like so many of these conversations Jesus has in the gospel in John. We just went through one in Pastor Wester's sermon text last week in John 3. He just has this masterful way of moving people through, you know, uh, just they don't understand things at first. Just like Nicodemus last week doesn't understand being born again. 
Jesus very patiently works him through. And there's just so much in that journey mm -hmm. of discovery. He doesn't just tell him like, hey, look, lady, I'm talking about mercy in life. You know, I'm, <laughs> but he allows her yeah. these misunderstandings and to kind of talk past him for a little bit so that when she does realize what he's talking about, the, the realization is even sweeter. That's good teaching. Uh, Whoever drinks this will never be thirsty again, he says. And then she says, well, give me this water. I'm basically I'm sick of going down and getting water from a stupid well. <laughs> if you've got water that I don't know if it's well anymore. Like, no one says, Thanks. I will take one, please. <laughs> and um, so then Jesus switches tacks. It's it's sort of jarring. You know, they're talking about this water and she, she has these understandings. And he says, go call your husband. And she says, I, I don't have a husband. And he says, it's true. You've, you've had five different husbands and now you're, you're living with someone who's, who's not your husband. So calls her out, calls her out on her uh, adultery, her view of uh, God's gift of sex and marriage and basically says, you're, you're not doing what you are supposed to be doing. And she owns it. You know, she, mm -hmm. she says, I can see that you're a prophet. And she kind of changes the subject, it seems, for another time and talks about where Jews worship versus where Samaritans worship. And there's two schools of thought why she changes it, that maybe she's uncomfortable being confronted about her sin or she... Opportunity to yeah, ask she, question yeah, that she's she, had. Okay, you know, you're a prophet. I, uh, I, I realize that I've done something wrong. What do I do? How do I make it right with the sin? Where do I go make sacrifices? And either way, I mean, it just... Basically, it gets to the point where Jesus says, it, soon it's not going to matter where you worship. It's not going to, the temple's not going to matter because I'm the temple and I'm going to die and rise again. And finally, she says, I know Messiah is coming in the end of our section. Jesus says, I am he, which is really cool. Um, so just some thoughts on this overall. Why would Jesus bother with her, this one woman, out of a whole, you know, nation full of people who needed to hear about his grace why do you think why does it bother with it well i mean um she would have had a reputation i imagine like in the the town or whatever so you know if she experiences something and like reports it people will probably talk about it mm -hmm. um and like this was a good thing um and also she's been humbled by you know like life and understands like, man, I need grace. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that message really like meant a lot to her. Yeah. Yeah. Like the tax collectors, like the the prostitutes of Jesus day, she's someone who's going to appreciate his grace and, and knows that she has made a mess of things and is ready to hear about the Messiah. I think too, you know, you were saying before that she would have had a reputation. If you're going to pick someone in this area. This is not the woman you would have picked for the <laughs> evangelist. And yeah. yet Jesus is so smart. It's yep. true God. He knows this is the one that I want. And it works. If you keep reading John 4, she sprints back to the rest of her town. She kind of you know goes past the disciples who are coming back. And they're kind of like, what? <laughs> Jesus was talking to her? Like, what? <laughs> I'm not very, very flattering of the disciples when I do an impression of them. But yeah, they're like, what's that about? And uh, yeah, basically the woman brings the village back to Everybody, Jesus yeah. and to hear more. And yeah, she, she is one person that was with a poor reputation in the town is able to bring all these people to, the, yeah. to this well where they receive water. Like, yeah. Yes. So if you think that you are not the person for the job to go and talk mm -hmm. about Jesus, that's wrong. Yeah. This lesson could <laughs> be an encouragement to all of us is we are all unlikely candidates to be Very much. God's messengers and uses us anyway. 
We'll get to the mercy and life as water just before we finish, but do you want to read that verse? Yes. Come away from rush and hurry, the stillness of God's peace. From our vain ambitions worry, come to Christ to find relief. Come away from noise and clamor, life's demands and frenzy pace. Come to join the people gathering here to seek. You like that one? I love that one. Yeah, just that life is so busy. I mean, that's probably, I don't know if our culture's ever been busier than it is right now because, I mean, previous centuries, it got dark and you just, right. you go to bed, <laughs> yeah. right? But now, yeah, we can work late. We can look at our phones late. We're just always in a hurry to do other things. We don't spend a lot of time just stopping. Um, and church is different. Come away yeah. from rush and hurry to the stillness of God's peace, from our vain ambitions, worries, all the worries we have in this life. Come to Christ, the final release. So church being a different place yeah. is a big concept here. And I, I really appreciate that thought that we're every, the world is noisy and chaotic and whatever else. And church is a safe haven against mm -hmm. that. You step in, we call our church building the sanctuary. So leave all of those worries, that nonsense, the busyness behind for an hour, two hours with church and Bible study. And that's why I love Wednesday night services because you're in the middle of the week. And no, that's like, true. a frantic day yeah, because it's Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and then you just stop and you get to write the question. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. All right. Our last uh, question for the day. How will you use that picture of thirst and water this weekend? You first. You first. Okay. Uh, so it's Thursday. I preached on uh, for Lent service last night and it was a, a text that really struck me uh, as being full of warnings. I guess I used that concept of a warning throughout my sermon and said some sharp things to myself, I guess, as I prepared mm -hmm. this, this sermon and just what, what Jesus is trying to tell the people of Israel about ignoring him, ignoring his word, ignoring the warnings from it and just proceeding as if everything's fine. And it, it you know, it, it rattled my cage in a good way that I need to listen to God's and just, there's this thing that we do as Christians sometimes where you hear God's word, you intellectually understand it and it can just sort of wash over you. Like, yep, I understand what this is saying. And then I don't apply it to my life right. whatsoever. What does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean for me? What kind of behavior is God calling out? And then I think about my life and I think about that attitude and that that does make me realize that I am very spiritually thirsty. I don't think that I am. I've been a Christian for over 38 years. So sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm very well watered. I, I don't need anything. No, thanks, God. <laughs> You're hydrated. I'm already. super hydrated. But um, no, I, 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 it, I'm excited to go to church this weekend um, with this concept in mind that I am very spiritually dehydrated. And I, I got I to gotta get something. I got to get some spiritual Gatorade um, because if I don't have it, <laughs> you like that? Spiritual Gatorade? Yeah. That's another shirt idea. We need to make a <laughs> spiritual Gatorade shirt. And get sued by Gatorade, <laughs> lose everything. Oh, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, coming to worship on Sunday, just thinking about that, that I'm, I'm coming to take a, a big drink of water, not lemonade, but a big drink of water that will be Jesus forgiveness yes. and promises. Good How answer. about you? <clears throat> so I'll make it really quick. Um, so when you feel thirsty and like you're so parching, just what I drink, like after a good workout or mm -hmm. run or whatever, um, and then you get that water. Like it's just that wonderful quench. Like whenever um, something difficult, you know, like if if it's a student or uh, not a student difficult, like they're facing something mm, difficult, right. yeah, yeah. or like 
the kids are facing something difficult, um, I can just, I use that. Like, aren't you so excited for when we get to heaven? And we don't have to like have this thing. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like when I'm tired. Yeah. Aren't you so excited for heaven? We won't be tired. Mm -hmm. No yeah. alarm clock. You yeah. don't get tired. Right. So anyway. It helps it helps me like keep my mind on things above. Yeah. Definitely. Like heaven. Okay. Um anytime something is difficult. Yeah, I like it. I was just thinking whenever I think of like thirst and water, these things come up in church or Bible study. I think of digging a ditch. <laughs> I don't know why. I I've only dug one ditch in Did my you get life. water? Yeah, I remember it wasn't water. I drank like three Mountain Dew. Ew. Oh, I thought you... I remember it was, I was working with Jordan and we were working with his brother. We dug a ditch and that was like the most, the, like the thirstiest I've ever been wow. in my life. And I, I crushed three Mountain Dews. That did felt, not, that was not that a good choice. Help. No, I felt miserable <laughs> all afternoon. But yeah, this is my, my image when I think about being thirsty after a hard day's work. Like digging a ditch, the one ditch I've dug. And you got life. water from the ditch? No. You wait. didn't dig dip deep enough? We weren't trying to get water. Oh, I, I've dug deep enough to get water it's plenty of times. Digging a ditch for, <laughs> for water, water efficiency in the backyard. Yeah, and I drank three Mountain Dews and felt terrible. <laughs> okay, that's all. Okay, bye. bye.